Aloha and welcome to Conversations to Enlighten and Heal. Today, I'm delighted and honored to be speaking with internationally renowned success coach, Michael Neal. Michael Neal is a licensed master trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, NLP for short, and the best-selling author of You Can Have What You Want and Feel Happy Now. He is also the creator of the Effortless Success Audio Program and has spent the past 16 years as a coach, advisor, friend, mentor, and creative spark plug to celebrities, CEOs, royalty, and people who want to get more out of their lives. Michael hosts a weekly talk show on HayHouseRadio.com, and his weekly coaching column can be read on his website at GeniusCatalyst.com. That's Genius, G-E-N-I-U-S, Catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T.com. So much of the success literature, therapy, and self-help movement is built on the premise that there's something wrong with you, that if you just changed your thinking, your behavior, your personality, your wardrobe, or hair color, then everything would flow perfectly in your life, and you'd finally get the life you want to be happy. As a transformational super coach, Michael Neal's approach to success and happiness is entirely fresh. He is also one of the most authentic, down-to-earth, and caring individuals I've ever had the privilege to learn from in my more than 35 years of working in the self-help movement. Please be sure to tune in to Michael's radio show, You Can Have What You Want, every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. If you miss him live, you can still listen to the radio archive show for free at hatehouseradio.com. On his radio show, Michael shares his secrets about inspiration, motivation, well-being, relationships, finances, and more. Everything you need to help you get what you want, overcome obstacles, and create the life you want. If you're ready to experience more happiness and greater success with less effort than ever before, then today's show is for you. Please welcome to the show my very special guest, Michael Neal. Oh, sounds like we must be out of time. Thank you for coming, everybody, and good night. <laughs> it's such an honor and privilege to have you with us, Michael. Thank you so much for taking time to join us. It's a delight. Okay. Tell us something about yourself and your journey, Michael. Has success always come easily to you? Well, <laughs> people sometimes ask me, especially when the first book came out and went straight to the top of the bestseller list in the U.K., like, you know, have, have things always come easy to you? And you know what? What you know? What qualified you to do this? And I said, of course, it came completely easily to me. I mean, you know, what else would you expect from a suicidal, depressed teenager? You know, <laughs> so that—that's both a, a, you know, a little bit of an out answer, but it's also just true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did not get into what I do initially out of any selflessness or any desire to make the world a better place. I didn't want to die, mm-hmm. and and so I learned things that allowed me to deal with my own chemical imbalances and my own depression and my own stress and anxiety and suicidal tendencies and all those things. And and along the way, some of those things that I learned, I would start talking to other people about who were experiencing similar things because, you know, it hurts when it hurts. And and along the way, I found out, oh, I'm I'm able to communicate this in a way that people seem to be able to hear it. Yes. And then I got really curious. Then I started going, huh, 
if this can make this kind of a difference for me, what else could make a difference for people? Mm-hmm. And, and so somewhere along the line, it did become, you know, much more about, well, you know, are there quicker ways of helping? Are there more effective ways of helping? Are there more universal ways mm-hmm. of helping people get in touch with what I now would describe as their innate well-being? and living lives that are filled with success and prosperity and abundance and and love and romance and all the things that we want. Because, you know, I talk about, I think it's in You Can Have What You Want, I I talk about it this way, as, as, you know, what everyone really wants is the inner and the outer. Mm -hmm. You know, we might say, well, we just want to be happy, but really we want to be happy and have a boat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, or, you, you know, oh, no, 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 I... You know, I don't care about happiness. I just want more money. Well, no, you want more money, and you want a wonderful experience of spending that money. Yes. And yes. and it's that balance of the inner and the outer mm-hmm. that really is where the f- fulfillment in life comes from. And the mm-hmm. beauty of it mm-hmm. is that the more grasp you have of your own well-being, mm-hmm. the easier it is to get stuff on the outside. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly the opposite of the way we're all taught to do it. We're taught to go out and get stuff so that we can be happy mm-hmm. or to go out and do things so that we can be happy when, in fact, the happier you are, the more in touch with your innate well-being you are, the easier it is to get stuff and do stuff. Mm-hmm. So what's your formula for happiness? Well, it's changed over the years. And, and, and really, what I've learned, uh, and, it, and it was great writing a book called Feel Happy Now, because it really brought to me all sorts of people with all sorts of views on happiness and problems with happiness. And and what I've come to realize is that people mean two different things by happiness. Mm -hmm. And one is feeling good. Mm -hmm. Just, you you know, happy as in almost the opposite of sad. And that kind of happiness is pretty simple in the sense that it, you know, it comes from thinking happy thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, if you think sad thoughts, you're going to feel sad. If you think happy thoughts, you're going to feel happy. If you think scary thoughts, you'll be scared. If you think funny thoughts, you'll feel uh, amused. Mm -hmm. You know, almost like going to a movie. You go to a scary movie, you get scared. You go to a comedy, you laugh, Mm -hmm. if it's good. Um, and, and, And the other kind of happiness, though, which is what I believe people are really more interested in, is the sort of background well-being. It's the sense that even though... In the moment I may be angry, Mm -hmm. in the moment I may be sad, in the moment I may be a bit down, in the moment I may be scared, I have an overwhelming knowing that it's all right, Mm -hmm. that everything is all right. Mm -hmm. And there's an incredible comfort and ease that comes with that that doesn't deny any emotion, Mm -hmm. but it understands where those emotions come from. And every emotion that you've ever felt just comes from a thought. It's a direct response to a thought. So is that a part of what makes success effortless? Well, what makes success effortless is one shift. Mm-hmm. And that shift is from is to do with where you put happiness mm-hmm. and well-being. Mm-hmm. Because if you put happiness and well-being anywhere outside you, or even if you think it's inside you but you have to do stuff outside you to get to it, like I need to go through this meditation practice, I need to go through this training, I need to go through this ritual, I need to read this book, unless, of course, it's my book. But no, <laughs> anything like that. Uh-huh. Then what's going to happen is all of the rules of success that most of us have learned growing up, where you work hard to get stuff and you do that, they all, all those rules apply in an outside-in world where what happens to you outside and what you do outside determines how you feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. 
in an inside-out world, a world that's being created from inside you, where your happiness is the starting place, not the result of anything that you do or be or have, mm -hmm. then success is effortless because it's not about you and it's not about trying to make you feel different. Mm -hmm. It's just about doing whatever's in front of you to do. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, there's always a next step. Mm -hmm. There's always something to do. You know, sometimes I'll talk to people who are scared of, of, of selling, mm -hmm. you know, and, and making, a, making a cold call. And, I, and I'll say to them, well, which bit is it? Is it picking the phone up? Well, no. Was it dialing? No. Is it saying hello? No. And they can't find any action that's scary. Mm -hmm. It's the thought mm -hmm. that's scary. Mm -hmm. And the thought is just a thought. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to do anything about it when you see it for what it is. And so what makes it effortless is that you're not trying to succeed so that mummy will love you. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to succeed to prove something to father. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to succeed because then you'll be fulfilled and whole. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to succeed because then you've got enough money and you can relax. Because you already have all of that. You're just trying to create something in the world because you want to create it. Like creating a painting or a sculpture, a song. Mm -hmm. You might create a business. So... Is is that the problem with having goals then? Is that we're, you know, it's too... The problem with goals is that most people use them to try and get happy or to feel better. And so it's like, the, the analogy that I, I tend to use is it's like a, a dog with a bone. Okay? So if I throw my dogs, I've got two beautiful dogs, if I throw a bone, they will chase that bone and they will bring it back to me. Mm -hmm. And they will actually do that until they are panting on the ground <laughs> ready to drop. Because that's like, uh -huh. that's, where, that's what drives them is getting the uh -huh. bone. Well, uh -huh. a lot of human beings, we've, we, we act like that in our lives, except the bone is our own happiness and well-being. Uh -huh. So we, we sort of, on, it's like if you imagine the bone on a piece of paper written out, and on the bone in the middle is your goal. Mm -hmm. So it's... Um, you know, to make a million dollars or to find the man or woman of my dreams or um, to be perfectly healthy. And then on the corners of the bone, we write my well-being, my self-esteem, my happiness, my sense of worth and value in the world. And then we throw it as far as we can and try and chase it. And when we get it, oh, my God, not only do I have this, but I've got my well-being back, and I've got my self-worth, and I've got my self-esteem. And then as soon as you get it back, what do you do? You write something else on it and throw it as far as you can again. Mm -hmm. And so you wind up spending the majority of your time chasing something mm -hmm. that was yours in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's just exhausting and frustrating and stressful and effortful and all the things that most people experience when they try and achieve goals and doesn't mean they can't achieve them you can do things the hard way mm -hmm. but if you keep doing that at some point you exhaust yourself and it becomes less and less fun and you start spending more and more time going is that all there is mm -hmm. and you burn out or you drop out or you just piss everyone off around you to the point where you're alone so is this I'm, you're a licensed master trainer of neurolinguistic programming although I know you do you you have your own creative approach to, to work coaching people, working with people. Is this like, uh, you know... Uh, this, this isn't NLP. In other words, okay. 
NLP is a set of skills mm -hmm. in modeling how human beings do what they do, mm -hmm. and largely on the inside. Mm -hmm. So what kind of pictures they make on the inside, what kind of right. things they say to themselves on the inside, right. what kind of emotional states they create on the inside, and how that influences their behavior. Mm -hmm. So NLP are the tools, and you know, not exclusively, but they're the tools that I might use to create shifts. Yes. Someone's thinking. Well, but, I know you but have. But the, the fundamental way of thinking is not inherent in NLP. And in fact, it's not even present <laughs> in uh -huh. many people within the NLP community. Which you know, that that's something different. Mm -hmm. So, so, but how does one get to this shift you're talking about? I was thinking about the the idea in the NLP about controlling the voice inside of your head and how you can the simple idea about having a volume knob that you can turn down the, the voice. I mean, is that... Well, so you, you... Okay, let me let me try it this way. You introduced okay. me as a super coach, and I actually mean... I know you got that from my literature because my new book's called Super Coach. Yes. But I mean something very specific by that. Okay. And when I talk about super coaching, I'm not going, wow, what a great coach. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about there are three levels mm -hmm. of coaching. Mm -hmm. So at level one, what you're doing is you're helping somebody make a change in one area with one goal, with one problem, in one context. Mm -hmm. So at, at that level, if I'm coaching or doing NLP, I'm just taking somebody who's scared to ask a girl out on a date mm -hmm. and making it so they're not scared anymore and they ask her out on the date. Or I'm taking somebody who's uh, got a big business meeting coming up and I'm helping them prepare for the meeting so that the meeting will go really well. Or I'm taking an athlete who's got a, a, the big race or the big game coming up on Sunday and I'm working with him so he's at his best in that big race or that big game. Mm -hmm. That's level one coaching. That's performance coaching. Mm -hmm. It's situational coaching, and it's very, excuse me, it's very valuable. Mm -hmm. Level two is where I'm now not working with just the specific situation. I'm working with the whole context. Mm -hmm. So I might be a relationships coach, mm -hmm. and I might work with somebody on not just the relationship they're having trouble with, but I might share with them strategies and principles of relationships so that all their relationships can work better. Mm -hmm. I might be a sales coach, and I might take somebody who has difficulty selling, and I might work with them so that they find selling, the whole notion of selling, kind of attractive and fun and develop the skills of it. Mm -hmm. I might be a negotiation coach. I might be a, a stress coach. I might be a this coach or that coach. Even if I, you know, the common phrase is still life coach, but really what life coaches tend to be doing is being I'm a relationships coach and a negotiation coach and a money coach, and I'm, I'm giving you the best strategies in these areas of your life so that all of these areas of your life you get better in. Again, very valuable, very worthwhile. Mm -hmm. There's a third level, mm -hmm. and that's the level of transformational coaching or what I call super coaching, mm -hmm. where you're no longer working with somebody on better strategies, better techniques, better ways of doing things. You're actually working with the fundamental way that they see the world and that mm -hmm. they see themselves. Mm -hmm. Perspective. Perspective. Mm -hmm. And from that place, everything changes. Mm -hmm. Or as one of my clients once said, it's really weird because nothing's different, but everything's changed. Mm -hmm. Or nothing's changed, but everything's different. Mm -hmm. And the power of transformational coaching is it leads to effortless change. Mm -hmm. See, if, if you believe that let's say that you've got somebody and they, they, they're, they're overweight and they compulsively overeat. Mm -hmm. 
So at level one, I might go in and teach them some neat NLP techniques to, you know, when they get that craving feeling, I might teach them to tap the feeling away, or I might teach them to spin the feeling in a different direction so that that feeling of craving goes away. And it's something you can try. Think of, think, think of, if you think of something that you're like a little bit compulsed to do, and you, you think of it now just, just enough to get a bit of that feeling in your body, mm-hmm. and just notice where in your body is that feeling, mm-hmm. and which direction is it spinning, because all feelings move. The reason we can sense a feeling is because of movement. If a feeling was static, we wouldn't notice it because that's just how our attention works. It, it goes to the movement. So if we're aware of a feeling, mm-hmm. it's because it's moving. So just move your hand so that it's spinning the same direction as the, as the feeling. It might be spinning okay. forward. It might be spinning back. It might be going clockwise, counterclockwise, diagonally, however it is. Just move your hand the direction that that okay. feeling is spinning. And now, just for fun, take your hand and spin it in exactly the opposite way. So if it was spinning forward, you're going to spin it backwards. Mm-hmm. If it was spinning clockwise, you're going to spin it counterclockwise. If it was up and to the left, you're going to make it down and to the right. And now keep spinning the feeling that new way. You can spin your hand to kind of spin the feeling. And think about that thing that you were compulsed about. Mm-hmm. Or think about that thing that you were kind of a little bit like, I've got to do this. Mm-hmm. And just notice, is it different? And for most people, even just doing that will change it. Now, that's not to say you'll never get that feeling again, but in the moment, I've seen people with lifelong phobias of public speaking who just by spinning the feeling backwards were able to get up and talk to a group, and I've seen it not once, I've seen it hundreds of times. So that's a level one change. It takes some effort, but it's not hugely effortful, but it's based on shifting the behavior. If I want to change my compulsive overeating and my weight problem at level two, mm-hmm. I'll learn about diet and exercise. Mm-hmm. I'll learn the best diets, the most effective diets, the right diet for my blood type, the right, um, the right exercise program for my body shape, mm-hmm. and I'll put together a program, and I'll work that program as best I can, and it'll be hard some days, and it'll be easier some days, and hopefully one day I'll get to a tipping point where it's easy, you know, where it would be harder to go back and do things the old way than it is to do them the way that I'm doing them now. Mm-hmm the new healthy way, and I've got to kind of be on my guard because I could slip back to the old way at any time, but as long as I keep doing things in the new way, Mm -hmm. well, then I'm going to be okay. I'm going to lose the weight and I'm going to keep it off, but I better be vigilant because it won't take long to go back to the old way because what's happened is I've changed the behaviors, but I haven't yet changed the fundamental. In the first level, I changed the feeling. Mm -hmm. The second level, I changed the whole behaviors around it, Mm -hmm. but I haven't yet addressed what is it in the way that I'm seeing myself in the world mm-hmm. that makes compulsive overeating make sense? So you've created momentum. Sure, I've created a shift. And again, this is great, but this isn't yet effortless and this isn't yet what I call super coaching or transformational coaching. At level three, I'm going to go in and I'm going to talk with you about your innate well-being. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to point out that the way that you create feelings is through mind, consciousness, and thought. You have a mind, mm-hmm. and that's like the container for your world. Right. And you have consciousness. You are able to understand and be aware of things at different levels. Right. And you have thoughts. And when your thoughts are, are focused on in consciousness inside your mind, mm-hmm. 
they start to become real. They start to feel real, and they create feelings in your body. And so I know for a fact, without having met you, if you compulsively overeat, the way that that works, the reason that happens is because you have a bad feeling inside, an uncomfortable feeling, and the way that you know to deal with that feeling is to eat. Right. But here's the thing. If I can really show you, not as an intellectual idea, but so that you really, 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 really get it, that that bad feeling has nothing to do with anything but the thought that you were focusing on just before you felt it. Right. Then what starts to change is it gets less scary because it's not something outside you anymore. It's not a mystery anymore. It's just a thought that you kind of bought into, that you got hooked by. And you don't even need to change it. That's the beauty of it. Because once you see that it's thought, you just kind of relax. And you just kind of go, oh, okay, that's just a thought. I know it feels like really important and like I need to change it on the outside by feeding myself outside in. But since it's just a thought, I can just let it go. And what's underneath that thought is pure consciousness. Right. And pure consciousness feels wonderful. That's that innate well-being, that innate background happiness that everybody has. And the reason that we can know that everybody has it is because we were born happy. Babies might cry, but nobody would think that they're crying because they're fundamentally unhappy. They cry because they're hungry. They cry because they're wet. They cry because they have an unmet need. And as soon as that need is met, they go right back to their innate well-being. So you, you actively know you're the one that is energizing? You're the one energizing the thought, and that doesn't make you bad. That just, that's how it works. You can energize any thought. If you energize scary it's thoughts, you're going to be scared a lot. If you energize stressful thoughts, guess what? <laughs> you're going to be stressed a lot. And it's not, I don't know anyone, and that includes Buddhist monks who I, I, I've gotten to know, who can control which thoughts come through their mind. But we can absolutely decide how seriously to take those thoughts and which thoughts to energize. The story I always tell, because to me it was like when this actually happened, my wife and I just laughed for days about it. We were in this, in this restaurant out here in California, and there were these two actress stroke models, and they were, they were, one of them was complaining about her boyfriend, and she's going, you know, she's going on and on about, you know, how he lied to her, and he cheated on her, and this and that, and we kind of looked at her friend, and her friend did not look remotely sympathetic, obviously had heard this many times before. And, and so this, this, this girl's going on and on about, and he did this, and he did this, and she's sort of built to a crescendo, and everyone in the restaurant's listening. Mm-hmm. She's built to this crescendo, and she said, why do I keep meeting the wrong guys? Mm-hmm. And her friend just looked at her and said, it's not that you're meeting the wrong guys, it's that you keep giving them your phone number. <laughs> and, and that is the thing about thought. It's not that you're thinking too many negative thoughts, it's mm-hmm. that you're investing in them. You're energizing them. You're making them important. You're making your life about them. Whereas, it doesn't matter how many guys hit on you. If you don't go home with them, no problems are going to ensue. It doesn't matter how many negative thoughts float through your head. If you don't engage with them, they just float on by. And what's really interesting is that the less you listen to them, the less loudly they shout at you. And the more easily you hear this other voice, it's not always a voice, it might be a feeling, it might be an image, but you know what I call, and the Quakers call, the still small voice within, mm-hmm. which is your innate wisdom mm-hmm. that lets you know exactly what to do mm-hmm. and exactly where to go 
And it kind of comes up like an insight, like a little, oh, a little aha, a little light bulb moment. And you can just totally navigate the most beautiful life just by following the insights, following your own wisdom. And that just comes from hanging out in your innate well-being. And at that point, you're going to wind up losing weight and not compulsively overeat in the same way simply because it no longer makes any sense to do it. Because it would be like to, to try and fix a, a bad feeling on the inside by doing something on the outside, like in this case eating, stops making any sense when you guess that the bad feeling on the inside is coming from a thought. In the same way as if you don't like something in a movie that you're watching on the screen, you don't go up to the screen and start yelling at it and try and get it to change. You go up to the projection booth and you make the change up there because you get what's on the screen. It's just a projection. Yes, the mind's a projector. Yeah. yeah. Consciousness is like pure white light, thoughts yeah. like a film. Mind's the whole cinema, yeah. powering the whole thing. Yeah. And then what your experience is what's up on the screen. But if you go outside yourself to try and change what's on the screen mm-hmm. without going up to the projection booth and changing what's being projected, mm-hmm. guess what? Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a power differential that's happening there. It's like you're... Aren't you kind of, if you're going out there, aren't you saying, this has power over me? Well, again, Is that's that just another one of those thoughts that you can invest in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think of one of my analogies for it, and I think, I think this comes from a woman named Amy Chen Mills Nam, mm-hmm. who wrote a lovely little book called The Spark Within for Troubled Teens. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of these ideas come from this principles-based psychology. Um, it used to be called psychology of mind, but it sort of has, has become principles-based psychology that just really looks at mind and consciousness and thought and how, how we create our experience with that. And one of her analogies for it is a tea bag. A thought is like a tea bag. And tea would be like your experience of life. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't matter how foul the tea bag is. Until you pour boiling water on it, it's not going to have any influence on the flavor of your drink. Mm-hmm. And a thought, until we pour our attention and our energy into it, just a thought. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if it's the most hideous thought in the world. It has no power at all until you start giving it power. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, even there, it's not like there's a lot of effort involved. Because once you see that it's just a thought, you just, why would you? Mm-hmm. You know, I went to, I went, I went to somebody tried to ask me to explain what's really happening when someone makes a major life change. Because I've, I've worked with people who've had obsessive-compulsive disorders for for. for years who Mm -hmm. after one sort of session just talking about this not doing any techniques Mm -hmm. it lifted Mm -hmm. i've 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 done it with people who are on you know psychological disability for seven years and after one conversation they're out seeking new jobs Mm -hmm. i had a guy come up to me yesterday a neighbor who i spent one night with we had dinner one night we had him around 30 years suffered from manic depression he pulled his car over and he said i just want to tell you that one conversation did more for me than 30 years of therapy that's because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. Once you see that it's your own thoughts, mm-hmm. change becomes a bit like saying, I've decided to stop hitting myself in the face with a shovel. Mm-hmm. I've decided to stop beating myself up. I've decided that it no longer makes sense to me to poke hot bamboo spikes under my fingernails because you were the one doing it to you in the first place. Again, that doesn't make you wrong. You're doing the best you can with what you know. But the second that you really see it, 
well, how does one really see it? I mean, I'm hearing it intellectually, <laughs> but how does one have that experience? Well, what you're talking about, that shift in a perspective. I have moments of that. Here, here's what I, here's what so far, you're, you're now hitting the edges of my ability as a super coach. I can take people to the bus stop, but I haven't <laughs> figured out how to make the bus show up when uh -huh, I want it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. But here's the trick. The more time you spend at the bus stop, the more likely it is that you'll be there when you'll get on the bus. <laughs> It'll so, show up and you'll get and on. And the way you hang out at the bus stop is by spending as much time as you can just resting in your innate well-being, yeah. just allowing yourself to feel good for no reason, mm -hmm. and by developing your understanding, by beginning to notice, by beginning the next time you feel scared, spot the thought. Notice what that thought was. You don't have to change it, mm -hmm. but just go, oh, I just got off the phone with my uncle, and he was talking to me about how his business is collapsing, mm -hmm. and now I'm really, I've woken up in the middle of the night in a sweat. It's because I'm thinking about my business collapsing. Uh -huh. Oh, okay, got it. And the more you begin to understand it, mm -hmm. not, just, not just feel it, mm -hmm. but understand it, mm -hmm. then the more that innate well-being and security is there for you because you start to see nothing outside me can take this away. Mm -hmm. And I don't need anything outside me mm -hmm. to give me this. This is mine. Mm -hmm. This is just who I am. Mm -hmm. And I could no sooner lose it than I could forget my nose. Mm -hmm. So you're practicing better feeling thoughts. And, and here's, here's where I'm still learning how to talk about this because when you practice better feeling thoughts, mm -hmm then there's an implication that you need to practice. Yes, exactly. That's the Actually, little rub. Actually, no, you don't. <laughs> That's you don't the rub. You know, it's, I, I know it's, it's a relaxing thing. It's a... Uh, it's a, it's a yeah. relaxing thing. It's a relaxing into it. I know it's raining right now because I can see it's raining. Mm -hmm. But now, even though it's raining, and even though it's kind of a gray day here, I know the sun's still there. Mm -hmm. I can't feel it. I can't see it. But I'm not really sitting here going, I must believe in the sun. I must develop this strong belief in the sun that's so real that the sun will... The sun's there. Mm -hmm. I know that. And even when you're not feeling your well-being, it's still there. Mm -hmm. And you don't worry about, will the sun come back tomorrow? It's not tomorrow, it'll be out the next day. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to worry about if you have a bit of a bad day. So you have a bad day. We all have moods. We all have lower moods and higher moods. And mm -hmm. Really, the only thing is to notice when you're in a lower mood and not try to change the world to fix it. Because mm -hmm. you're kind of at your stupidest when you're in a low mood. <laughs> you're, you're least resourceful. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that, you know, when I coach couples, one of the most bizarre to a lot of people's pieces of advice that I give, and I don't say this is a universal or you always have to do this, but I suggest to them sometimes that they might want to try going to bed mad. Because what happens, because we've all got this idea, never go to bed mad, and I'm not saying that's a bad idea, that's, there, there's a value to that, mm -hmm. but it means that you have your most important relationship conversations when you're at your worst. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take that out of relationships and go to business, you would never wait to have your important business conversations until you were at your worst. You'd always try to have them when you were at your best. And it's the same thing so often. What seems like such a big deal at one in the morning, mm -hmm. just isn't that big a deal at seven. Mm -hmm. And it's not that big a deal at seven because the thoughts have moved on. Mm -hmm. You're not stuck in the same thoughts. 
And because you're not, you're more in touch with your innate well-being and your innate wisdom. And what, if there was a real conflict, because sometimes there is, it's easy to resolve. Mm-hmm. It's effortless. Mm-hmm. Well, myself, I've had this recurring feeling of that something's holding me back. And I don't know what it is that's holding me back. There's just nagging feeling that I'm driving with the brake on. And I, you know, I don't know how to... I mean, okay, do so I just get I comfortable about that? Can, do I just can we get play comfortable? With you? Can we play? Sure, I love to play. <laughs> so, so here's what I know. Something is holding me back, and I'm driving with the brakes on, aren't feelings. Mm-hmm. They're thoughts. Mm-hmm. Feelings are like heavy, light, warm, mm-hmm. cold. Mm-hmm. Something's holding me back is a thought. Mm-hmm. I'm driving with the brakes on is a thought. So I would say that it's exactly as you've described it. You have a thought that you have come to believe in over the years for whatever reason, that something's holding you back. Mm -hmm. And because you have that thought, you have a feeling that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And because that thought keeps coming back, you describe it, and with with it the accompanying feeling, you describe it as a nagging. I just had an image come up when you said that. Okay, great. That's interesting. My mother saying no... She wanting she wanting me to be perfect and <laughs> wagging her finger, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Right. So, so yeah. somehow that's associated. There's some neuro association yeah. there for. Um, so, so the question is, you know, do you want to keep investing your life energy in that thought that there's something holding you back? Well, of course not. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. That's yeah. like I've decided not to hit myself in the. Do you want to keep hitting yourself in the face mm-hmm. with a shovel? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, I love so, that analogy that you give about hitting your face. I think of that. I can that helps me shift out of something. Actually, that I remember remembering you saying hitting. I know when I'm hitting my face in the shovel, and it helps me get out of it. It Helps me, you know, let it go. So maybe that's you know that you just develop well, and, and that's different ways of letting, getting yourself to let go when you're But, but that's the thing is people will often kind of say it like it's going to be difficult. How do I get myself to let go? Mm-hmm. No. When you see it, you will stop. Mm-hmm. Right? If I, if I tell you, this is an analogy again I use, I use fairly often, but it's because it's apt. If, if, if you go to work the same way every day and it takes an hour and there's a lot of traffic mm-hmm. and it's difficult and it's uncomfortable, and I can bend the laws of physics and show you a way to get to work each morning in five minutes that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. How many times do I have to show you the new way before you start taking it? Depends on how much resistance you have. Well, hang on. <laughs> hang on. No, stick, 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 stick with the analogy as it is. Okay. Okay, we're just talking about shortcut to work. Okay. We're not talking about any inner change. Okay. Okay? You know... If you really kind of, if you took this new way and you went, huh, here I am at work, that was fun, that was easy, mm-hmm. would you really be resisting taking the five-minute route instead of the one-hour route that's kind of really painful and annoying and smelly? I would like the shorter route. Yeah, and everyone would because we have an innate common sense. Mm-hmm. You know, we all do fundamentally, <laughs> you know, just kind of, of course, you know, it's like, hmm, I can have the pizza or the shovel in the face. Mm-hmm. You're going to take the pizza. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing about the shortcut, okay? You would take that shortcut even if you'd been driving to work the same way for 30 years. Mm-hmm. 
you would take the shortcut even if you had low self-esteem. You would take the shortcut even if you questioned your worth in the world because it just, why the hell would you take the hour-long painful route when you've got a five-minute short one? You just wouldn't. And that's the thing about change. When you really see how you've been creating your reality, your experience of reality, the change is effortless. It happens almost without you doing anything. It just falls away. And people actually, the first step, here, here's... If I can, the, the, the model that I, I've, I've come to realize that people go through, there are three distinct stages mm-hmm. that people go through when they start to learn this. Okay. And the first stage, I, I, I sometimes call learning a new way to drive, but I sometimes also just call it absence of. Mm-hmm. And people come back to me after we've talked a few times or they've listened to my show or they've, people who've read the new book, mm-hmm. and, and they'll, they'll say, I feel really weird. And I'll go, what's up? And they'll go, well, Nothing. And I'll go, well, what's wrong? And they'll go, well, nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll go, well, what's the problem? And they'll go, well, there is no problem. Mm-hmm. And when I really question it, what they get to is the problem is that there's no problem. Mm-hmm. And they're not used to it. Mm-hmm. They're not used to not having this background stress, mm-hmm. this constant problems to be solved, this sense of, oh, my God, I've got to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. And at first, that can be disconcerting to people just because mm-hmm. it's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Then what starts to happen is the miracles, is the effortless success, is the, <clears throat> the, the phone calls out of the blue, the coincidences, the amazing flow, the, the things that they talk about in the secret where you just you know, think something and then something comes to you. And I call that stage driving daddy's Ferrari because that's how one of my clients described it to me. She said, it's like I'm driving daddy's Ferrari. It's so fun, but I'm so scared all the time that I'm going to crash it, mm-hmm. but that it's going to stop working or that I'm going to do something wrong and it's all going to fall mm-hmm. apart. And that's the experience that most people have when they do try something like mm-hmm. a secret or positive thinking or visualization. It does start to create these amazing results, mm-hmm. but they don't trust it. Mm-hmm. it there's, a, there's a fear that it could all go away right. in any moment. Right. And ultimately, that fear becomes overwhelming. Unless you keep growing in your understanding of where it's all coming from. And the third stage is owning the garage, where you realize that not only is it your Ferrari, but that's just one of your cars. Uh And you really begin to experience an ownership of your life and of your power. And from Mm -hmm. there, you can create anything. Mm -hmm. And that's the journey that I try to guide everyone on, is from from this outside-in world where our well-being is out there and we've got to work hard to get it and it could be taken away from us at any moment if our partner dies or we lose our job or the stock market crashes to a world where you wake up every morning just knowing, hey, I'm absolutely wonderful and what do I want to create today? And that's just such a lovely, lovely place and it's not 24-7 bliss. You know, that's just another thought that it's supposed to be perfect all the time. But it's just that when it is raining, it's kind of nice. Oh, it's raining. Contrast. (laughs) Cool. It'll be sunny again soon. Mm -hmm. So there's this knowing that surfaces from within one's being, a knowing of one's well-being. I have never met anyone, and I mean that including people who are in the worst circumstances that you could imagine, who cannot at some point access that because it's inherent in all of us. It's innate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when. And, and yeah, there are definitely things you can do that kind of make it more likely. And one of them is just understanding. It's just developing in your understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And another is hanging out in the feeling. Mm-hmm. And for some people, at some times, it's easier to develop their understanding and awareness and begin to notice how they're creating the experience they're having now. And for some people, at some times, it's easier to just hang out in the well-being and not worry about it. Mm-hmm. So what are some ways come. people can hang out in the feeling that you've discovered? I, I didn't quite hear the question, sorry. So what are some ways that people can, I know meditation, certainly for me, is one way I can hang out in that sense of well-being. But I was so, okay, so it, it really it comes, it simply comes down to attribution. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Let, let me let me do a sort of the the the, the litany, if I might. So the first place that most of us look, because it's culturally the first place we're told to look, mm-hmm. is if we feel good. Well, what did you just get? Oh, I just got a new job. I just got a new car. I just got a new boyfriend. I just got a new macaroni cheese platter. And if we feel bad, well, what did you just lose or what didn't you get? I didn't get the car. I lost the job. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend left me. I'm fat. Mm-hmm. So in other words, it's, it's, you know, if you have the right things, you're going to feel happy. And if you've got the wrong things, you're going to feel unhappy. And the attribution is what you have or don't have. Mm-hmm. But most of us do see through that at some point. Mm-hmm. And we get that. You know, these people who seem to have it all aren't necessarily any happier than us, and these people who don't have much can be really joyful. Definitely. And so we start to go, the next place most people go is, oh, it's not what I have or don't have. Mm-hmm. It's what I do or don't do. Mm-hmm. So if I do the right things, if I do, you know, take the right actions, then I'll be happy. And if I don't do the right things or I do the wrong things, then I'm going to be unhappy. And you get into a sort of a moral behavioral compass. Mm-hmm. But, again, at some point, we start to realize, I don't really feel, I, I couldn't be that I feel good because I've done the right thing, because actually sometimes I do the right thing and I don't feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all the right things and I still don't feel good. Mm-hmm. And it can't be that I feel, you, you know, I feel bad because I've done the wrong thing, because sometimes I do the wrong thing and it feels pretty good. So at that point, that's where a lot of people start getting into personal development. Mm-hmm. And, and they start looking at, oh, it's not what I have or don't have. It's not what I do or don't do. It's what I think or don't think. If I think the right things, then I'll be happy. And if I think the wrong things, then I'm going to be miserable. Mm-hmm. So you get into this sort of thought police state mm-hmm. where I must think only positive thoughts. I must think only positive thoughts. You ever see, um, there's a famous episode of, uh, you ever see the I Love Lucy show? Yes. You know the episode with the chocolates and the conveyor belt? Yes. You know, where she's sorting the chocolates and she, like, gets distracted and it becomes this big, chocolatey, goopy mess. Well, that's what it's like trying to live in your thoughts and sort through and only think the positive ones. You know, you might be able to get away with it for a little while, but thought just keeps on coming. And it's exhausting to try and think only positive thoughts all the time. So at that point, people get disillusioned with personal development if they were very inspired by it at first and think, well... If it's not what I have or don't have, it's not what I do or don't do, it's not what I think or don't think, then maybe the problem is just thinking and what I need to do is not think. And that's when they get into religion, and particularly Eastern religions that talk about meditation. Mm -hmm. And they try and live their lives in a place of no thought by meditating for half an hour a day, twice a day, every day. Mm -hmm. And usually, during that half hour, indeed, they begin to touch 
their innate well-being. They begin to kind of tap into those good feelings. Mm -hmm. But then there's the other 23 hours where they still struggle. And most people blame themselves Mm -hmm. because they think that they're supposed to be able to, in an hour or two of meditation a day, Mm -hmm. control their thinking for the whole day. So as one of my clients once pointed out when I was going through this litany with him, he went, so if it's not what I have or don't have, and it's not what I do or don't do, and it's not what I think or don't think, and it's not just thinking or not thinking, doesn't that leave me kind of screwed? <laughs> and the reason that it doesn't mm-hmm. is because there's a whole other way of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Instead of imagining like this horizontal line from unhappy to happy, mm-hmm. from misery to well-being, mm-hmm that you have to kind of get yourself to the right side of the line and stay away from the left side. Make it a vertical line, and you're right at the base of that line, and you're in your innate well-being. In other words, it's just a part of you. You're born with. You're born with a nose. You're born with well-being. Mm-hmm. And yeah, as you get caught up in thought, your thoughts start speeding, that can take you towards misery. Mm-hmm. But the second you let go of the thinking, you slide right back down to the bottom which is your innate well-being. So if you attribute your well-being to the medication, then the next time you feel bad, where are you going to go? Go get more medication? (laughs) Of course, that that just makes sense. If you attribute your well-being to the food, the next time you feel bad, where are you going to go? So you you give... You're going to go back to the buffet line. Yes. If you attribute your well-being to the religious or spiritual guru, mm-hmm. where are you going to go the next time you're feeling uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Either back to that guru or teacher, or you're going to find yourself a new one. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like there has to come a point where you just do it. <laughs> well, but here's the thing. That sounds like a... That sounds again like, God, God. Well, it just happens. I don't know how else to, you know, it's Well, so here's the thing. Stay with me just to the end. We've only got one step further to go. Okay. When I begin to recognize that my well-being is innate, and it's Mm -hmm. not to do with the chemicals, though the chemicals can help me experience it, Mm -hmm. and it's not to do with the food, though the food might help me experience it, Mm -hmm. and it's not to do with the religious, spiritual guru, though they may help me experience it through sort of a contact high kind of a thing then really all there is to do is relax into it and not worry about it so much mm-hmm. and notice it when it comes up mm-hmm. and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really hard if you've spent your whole life thinking you've got to work hard to achieve. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a famous story that <clears throat> I always, I always kind of bastardize the story and make it about Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. So no, no offense to Tony, but he just symbolizes a certain approach to success. Yes. That's, that's why I love I, Tony, but you're I right. do too. And, but, yeah. this is, but you'll see why I choose him for this story. So mm-hmm. the story is that uh, Tony's sort of sorted his life out, or a guru like Tony, let's say that. Mm-hmm. You know, this Tony Robbins-esque motivational speaker. Um, sorted his life out, but the one thing that he hasn't got is a spiritual enlightenment. And so he goes to, he, he wants to model the best spiritual guy out there. So he finds, like, the most enlightened person on the planet. Mm-hmm. the best spiritual guru on the planet. Mm-hmm. He goes to him and says, look, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know me, I'm, I'm this incredible high achiever, I'm this incredibly motivated guy, um, 
I want to, the one thing I haven't done is, is spiritual enlightenment. I want to do that. I need to, I'm working with my people on scheduling, and I just want to give you, can you give me like a rough idea of how long it's going to take? Uh-huh. And the spiritual guru looks at him and goes, 10 years. And, and Tony, our Tony guy is going nuts. He's going, well, no, 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 I, I don't think I explained. I am the most motivated, committed person you will ever meet. Mm-hmm. I am willing to go the extra mile. I will give you 110%. I will, anything you ask me to do, I will do double. How long will it take me? Mm-hmm. And the guru goes, oh, oh, you're right. I didn't realize the ferocity of your commitment. 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and now Tony's going nuts. He's, he, he, he's going, no, 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 no. You know, you don't understand. I have a team of people who are going to commit. We're all going to get together. You know, te- the, the whole team, we're going to work on this together. We're going to make our lives about this. We're going to be like that drowning man who wants enlightenment more than, more than that drowning man wants air. How long is it going to take me? And the guru goes, wow, 40 years. Because all of that noise is actually what's keeping you from experiencing what's already there. If I've got a bowl of murky water, and I don't know, I know it sounds like you listen to the radio show a lot, so you may have heard this call. A woman once called in, and her mind was all in a spin. And I asked her, I said, if I gave you a bowl of murky water, and I wanted to make it clear, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And she said, I'd boil it. And I laughed because that's what we do. It's like we go, okay, I've got this problem. I've got this murky water. So how can I unmurk uh-huh. it? Okay, I could try this. I could try this. Let me brainstorm 20 ways in three minutes that I can uh-huh. unmurk this water. Uh-huh. When, in fact, the only way to get that water clear is to leave it to sit. Uh-huh. The I reason that it will become clear is because the nature yes. of water is clear yes. and the nature of a human being as well. Yes. Yes. I think I'm headed. I'm, I think I'm getting really close. I just, because I, I, can I share something with you? I'm, I'm, into, <laughs> I'm into the, I'm into feng shui and I use different, the elements, you know, uh, and um, there are certain places in your, in my, in your house, like career, where water, uh, where there's water. And I have recently, uh, before I was having a fountain moving the water in these areas. And I just got the insight to let it be still. And I've cut them off. And I'm just letting things, the water be still. And so when you said that, it was like, this could be a good indicator that I'm just letting the water in these areas be still. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? I do, and that's exactly right. The, the, so just you know, let it happen. Thing, I, just let it happen. Because you're suddenly saying, oh, I don't have to do all this stuff. And in fact, yes. doing all this stuff has been part of the problem. Yes. 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 It's kind of like when there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's like you keep doing things, and the light just, the tunnel goes on, and the light, you know, it's, the light's a little further. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah. How you can never reach the light at the end of the tunnel because you're so anxious about reaching the light at the end of the tunnel. Are you and, following? And it is that, it, it's that, it's that wonderful revelatory moment where you go, there is no tunnel. Yes. Yes. Wow. I've got to sit with that. <laughs> it's one of the secrets, the, the, way, the way the new book, um, it's not out yet, which so I'm, I'm not reading. Yes, when is it being, when is it uh, being um, released? Supercoach, 10 Secrets to Transform Anyone's Life. It's coming out in March. Okay. And it'll be available in the UK. For it's already time. available on Amazon.com for pre-ordering. I've for, yeah, you can pre-order yeah. it on Amazon.com or yeah. .co.uk, and yeah. it, um, it'll, be, it'll be available in, in March. It's finished. It's just waiting to, yeah. to come out. But one of the one of the secrets 
in the book, one of the, you know, what I call them secrets, they're just secrets because a lot of people don't know how to talk about them, not because mm-hmm. anyone's trying to hide them from anyone. Mm-hmm. But one of the secrets is there's nowhere for you to get to. Mm-hmm. You're just here. Mm-hmm. And also another insight uh, for me has been that there are no answers, right answers or answers. It's just, it, it just is. It's, it's, it's pure being and an experience. You know, and, and somebody who's just catching this part of the conversation might go, how dull, <laughs> how uninspired, how boring. It's not. It's not. When you yeah. stop having to get anywhere, mm-hmm. you're free to go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm. Realizing there's no way, having that realization. Yeah, as soon as you know there's nowhere you have to get, you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. To follow your happy wanting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But only moment by moment by moment. Mm-hmm. It's backpack is what I find. You know the, the you know intuition or whatever where you you get. Uh, that's how I operate. Is I just get this these things to do in the day. You know what you you kind of talk about um, that as far as um, what would I love to do today? Mm-hmm. My favorite question on the planet. Yes. And uh, so that's kind of I, I when I get going in my day, that's what comes is what would I love to do today? What is what's the inspiration for this day? And it's just a, it's just in the moment. It just unfolds from there. So um, I think uh, a lot of you know I, I've made the transition over in a lot of ways, and it's just it's just that habit. It's just just keep not letting it go <laughs> not well, and I'm gonna realizing I don't have to focus on it or I, and I'm going to suggest that even thinking of it as a habit pushes it away because mm-hmm. it makes it sound like something that's going to take some discipline and some yeah. time yes. the fact is it's right here right now mm-hmm. and you may in other words the sun is shining whether it's nighttime where you are whether it's daytime whether it's raining whether it's clear the sun is out mm-hmm. and if you know that you don't have to worry so much about whether or not you can feel it right now. Mm-hmm. And when you feel it, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So would you, you say it worry. is a feeling? It's m- more like a feeling that that plays, or for for me, um, it's it's both a feeling and a knowing, mm-hmm. a feeling knowing. and an understanding. Knowing. And if I had to choose, I would always choose the understanding. Mm-hmm. The knowing because the understanding can be there twenty four seven. The feeling will come and go. Yes. I do not know anyone who lives 24-7 in the feeling, mm-hmm. though certainly I would have to say I live more and more and more in the feeling. Mm-hmm. But because of the understanding that I've developed, I just don't worry about it. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. I feel bad. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I tend not to make my important decisions those mm-hmm. times. And and the funny thing is, of course, part of the way that you know that you're out of touch with your own well-being mm-hmm. is you have this urgent sense that you have to mm-hmm. change something. Mm-hmm. I've got to fix this now. That's like the cue to go, mm-hmm. ooh, <laughs> time to back off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sense of urgency. Yeah, that's, yes. that's, that's absolutely. That sense of urgency is one of the guides back to your, back to your well-being. Mm-hmm. Because when that's there, your well-being isn't. Unless there's a train about to hit you, and mm-hmm. I mean that. Yeah, it's a red flag. You know that sense of urgency. It always wants to 
trick you into thinking you got to, you know, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And and uh, the trick is not to get duped into going and seeing, putting out the fire you think you have to go right. put out. And, and, and look, if you do, okay. It's okay. I mean, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it for me. Is it doesn't you, you can't really get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean this is when I think about decisions. I think I actually am not sure, but I've got, I've got to, I'm going to be doing my radio show in about an hour after we record this, and mm-hmm. and I think the topic for today is about decision making. Yes. And and for me, what makes decision making quite easy is knowing that what you decide will not impact your life anywhere near as much as what you do with the consequences of the decision. Mm-hmm. So it's like. If you choose the wrong guy, that just isn't. That's just a you know. That's that's just a mistake. If you stay with that guy for the next twenty five years, mm-hmm. well, that's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. So it's about not that initial decision that matters. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's what you do next. Mm-hmm. You know, if you you know if you, if you're trying to lose weight and you go out and you know you eat the double extra cheese pepperoni pizza, well, mm-hmm. that might have been a bit of a mistake. But to spend the next five days beating yourself up about it and overeating to cope with the feelings of how miserable you are because you're beating yourself up about it, mm-hmm. well, that's a bad decision. And so you have to recognize when something is a bad decision. Well, the way, the way <laughs> for me, the simplicity of it is if you're miserable, mm-hmm. chances are it's because you're, you're caught up in your thoughts about you. I mean that's that's uh, that's another sort of a simple little shortcut, but when when my thoughts are all on me and what's wrong with me and what I need to do differently to be the way I should be because there's something wrong with me, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be unhappy. Mm-hmm. When my thoughts are about life, mm-hmm. about work, about service, mm-hmm. about being of be, being of assistance to others. It's really hard to find an unhappy thought in there. Mm-hmm. So, what inspired you to write Super Coach, Michael? I, I, I will, I will, t- I will tell you exactly what happened. I was, I was, um, I was on a plane, um, and I was flying with. I had a couple of clients, uh, one of my movie star clients, and another, an, another uh, very good friend, very successful TV guy, and we were on this plane back from London, and we'd been just laughing mm-hmm. for two hours. And they went off to sleep, and I, I, I was sitting there, and it literally downloaded. I just, and that's the thing is, of course, when you're in that great state, that's where the great wisdom comes through. And I, I the whole thing came into my head. Super coach, ten secrets to transform anyone's life. And I started jotting down what the secrets were. And mm-hmm. I got home that night and had a bit of jet lag, and so I was up at two in the morning. So I just mm-hmm. typed it up as a sort of a type my notes up. And I sent them off to my agent in the UK. Wow. And I got a phone call at 5 a.m. Wow. This was all in one night. Wow. And the phone call was there was an offer on the book. Wow. And I, and I said to him, I didn't actually mean for you to send that out. <laughs> and he said, I know, but I thought it was really good. So I <laughs> and so that was, you know, it really did happen that quickly. Wow. And, and the, the inspiration for the material behind the book came from the work that I was doing with the, um, the, the principles-based work because I just... For all the work that I've been doing up until about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. powerful as it was, much as people loved it, much as I loved it, mm-hmm. I was aware that there was something not quite right with it because mm-hmm. it 
just, it always felt like you had to keep going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you could do it. You could be happy no matter what. Mm-hmm. You could succeed with less and less effort. But that there was always this background, you know, you better keep your legs churning because if you ever mm-hmm. stop them, mm-hmm. it could all fall apart. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was just looking in my own life for, okay, hang on. That can't be right. Mm-hmm. That can't be as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. I just didn't buy that at some fundamental level I knew better. Mm-hmm. And so when I began to kind of really understand about, you know, the, the innate nature of well-being, as opposed to the construct of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd already figured out the outside-in, inside-out thing if you read Feel Happy Now, which was meant to be called Feel Better Now because it's really about dealing with depression and anxiety yeah. and, and stress. Is that what when, you when, when I did that, that Candace Perk, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and, and you know, that was, that was sort of the best I had, and it works really well, and I get wonderful letters every week from people who it's really helped. Mm-hmm. But I... It's still, even though I, I, I made half the shift in that book, I made the shift from outside in to inside in, mm-hmm. to like how you could create it on the inside, mm-hmm. regardless of what was going on outside. Mm-hmm. The next shift for me, and the thing that really fuels Supercoach, was taking it one step further and going, oh, you don't even have to create it. You don't have to manufacture what's already there. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge shift for me personally. Um, and then when I started playing with my clients and saw the difference that it made with people, I just knew at some point, I didn't know when I was going to write it or what form it was going to be, but God, I've got to talk to people about this, because mm-hmm. this is incredible. And, you know, and that's, look, that's how, that's how things work for me. I just, you know, if I've, if I've got a better way, I'm going to share it. If I don't, I won't. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, it's like you're a vessel. It just comes through you. Yeah, I mean, what I, you're mean saying. You know, I mean, it sounds like it just was something that just you were aligned with it, and it just kind of, you know what I'm saying? And it just came, it just poured through you as a pure inspiration. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, it did. And 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 again, it's just a case of, and I still believe this. That my first book, you can have what you want. When I first took it out, the working title I had for it was Soul Path, uh-huh. because my experience with my clients is that we all have a natural path of beauty and joy that will unfold if yes. we allow it to. Yes, yes. And, and, and so for me, that was just the next step on my soul path. Uh-huh. Was, you know, I hang out more and more in the sort of light of my own well-being and the light of my own wisdom, and mm-hmm. then I'm told what's next. And it's not mm-hmm. like, you know, some sort of master-servant relationship or anything like that. I can always ignore it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it feels I good. That? I would think it feels really good. Oh, it feels incredible. Yeah. It's so much fun. You know, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but, you know, I can tell you, miserable though Mozart's life was supposed to be, it wasn't when he was composing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing but joy in that. Mm-hmm. And when you want to create things in your life, if you allow yourself to create them from that place, it's such a joy to create. Mm-hmm. And it's learning to trust that process, it sounds like. Well, you know, I'm going to take that extra step out again and okay. just say it's trust. Okay. <laughs> I don't think you need to learn to trust it. I think okay. you can just trust it. Yes. yes. And sometimes you will, sometimes you won't. Yes. And when you do, you'll get the results of yes. that. And when you don't, you'll get the results of that. Yes. 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 And if you really see it that way, there's no learning involved. Yes. 
yeah. it's like, hmm, do I want to do this the slow, painful way mm-hmm. or the fast, joyful way? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go fast, joyful, Bob. Well, that's that's wonderful. I think um, that's a beautiful place for us to conclude our conversation. That's a lot to think about. You've shared some wonderful insights with us. and I know you have a lot of events planned for this year, Michael. Do you have any you'd especially like for our listeners to know about? Well, I'll tell you the two that are coming up. Uh, I, I mean, I, I enjoy doing everything that I do, but I have two events coming up that we've never done before that I'm very excited about. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is called Life Transformation. Okay. And my friend Paul McKenna is the, uh, I think it, we can actually safely call him the world's leading hypnotist without hyperbole. Uh-huh. Um, because his tapes and CDs, there's, I think it's something like six million people, um, you know, have used them mm-hmm. around the world. And he's his new book is it's not a new book now because it's been a, it's been the best self weight loss book in in uh, Britain for three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I can make you thin is now one of the top books. Yeah. It was number one for a while. I don't know if it still is here in the U.S. And he and I we 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 spend we get together pretty much once a week and we just. Uh, develop new material with one another mm-hmm. and for the first time ever we, we very occasionally because we both work in sort of celebrity circles we very occasionally will work together with someone mm-hmm. and those clients lives have changed so much in such a short space of time that we thought wouldn't it be cool to get a small group of people and lock them in a room with the two of us for three days Wow! and so that's the life transformation uh, wow. uh, event and that's it's very high ticket Twenty thousand dollars a ticket, and there's only eight tickets left. Wow! Um, so it's you know that's if somebody wants to play that game, you know you can find out about it through my website uh, at geniuscatalyst.com, and we're very excited about doing that. Um, the other event I'm really looking forward to is one called the Big Chat, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in LA in um, in June, and it's one of my mentors is a guy named Bill Cumming, mm-hmm. who does again he does fantastic work in prisons and schools and has been doing for 30 years. He was part of the civil rights movement, mm-hmm. you know, in the 60s and 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 is just one of the most loving, brilliant men that I know. And his his life has been dedicated for all that time to creating a a, a more sustainable planet mm-hmm. in terms of well-being, in terms of putting an end to violence, in terms of putting an end to poverty, to to hunger. And we're going to do a three-day event, the two of us with as many people as want to join us, mm-hmm. where we're going to really work on those issues. You know, we're going to have the big chat okay. about, hey, if we really could make a difference with these issues, how do we do it? Mm-hmm. Where do we want to begin? So like a mastermind. Like a mastermind mm-hmm. with, with the world as our goal. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm very excited about that. That's, uh, you know, I was on the phone with Bill and the organizer last night, and we were going through it. And that's, again, it's... It's not that I'm not excited about the other events that I'm doing. It's just these are new, right? And and the scope of them is exciting to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, you're a very creative guy. You always like new, fresh territory. Too. I do. Yeah. I have a low boredom threshold. <laughs> I I can relate to that entirely. So, um, well, um, please uh, visit Michael's website to learn about his coaching resources and sign up for his free weekly coaching tip at geniuscatalyst.com that's geniuscatalyst.com and be sure to tune in to Michael's radio show you can have what you want every Thursday at 12 p.m. Pacific time on hayhouseradio.com where an archive of the show is also available for seven days 
All right. Have a beautiful day, everyone. A warm mahalo to everyone. Thanks for joining us, and thank you again, Michael. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. No, it was fun.